gross. <laughs> and also, we are recording. <laughs> I don't my bodily functions. Don't shame me. I'm shaming God. you. I thought this was a body positive podcast. This has been fun so far. Are we excited <laughs> to talk about Gabon? <laughs> Hi guys, welcome back to Escaping Reality, the podcast where four friends discuss reality t- television, TV, I don't know where that sentence is going, <laughs> reality competition shows, I nailed it, I'm so smart, reality competition shows in order to escape the reality outside, which surprisingly hasn't been as terrible, it is super expensive though, does anyone else remember that like pre-masks, it costs money to be outdoors. I didn't like that. So I'm going to go back into quarantine, maybe. It's fine. But here we are. If you, I forgot the rest of the intro. I don't this have it This is a journey and I need the journey to come to a close. This week we are doing our third rewatch, which is Gabon. And obviously I am hosting because I chose Gabon. If you haven't seen our reel on Instagram, I gave a few reasons why I wanted to rewatch it. It was mostly about sugar and whether or not my feelings about her would change and or our feelings about her would change and or Bob. Do we think this is like a relevant season after last time us really only being able to talk about Micronesia, even though the episode was about Gabon? Shout out to the real ones who've been with us since then. Anyway, before we get into it, make sure you are subscribed. <laughs> You've given us a rating or a review if you really love us. And if you like our show, be sure to tell your friends. We love adding new peeps to the Escaping Reality fam. Right now, new episodes drop every Wednesday with our Survivor content and every Friday with our RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under content. Thank you so much. This episode, we have a ton of fans have spoken about Gabon, so keep them coming. You can email us at escapingrealitypodcast at gmail.com or slide in our DMs or the little question box on our stories on Instagram with a few sentences about your feelings on a particular season or topic for our segment, The Fans Have Spoken. And we'll read and discuss them in an episode. Super excited. We had so many. They will be coming up in just a few minutes. All right, guys. Like I said, this is our rewatch of Survivor Gabon. Basically, just a quick reminder, we are doing these rewatches not to give ourselves a horrible time, but more for us to be like, we've had perspective after watching 40 seasons. Is there anything about any of these seasons that we have each chosen that we think warrants a second look or that we think maybe we judge too nicely or too harshly? Let's just talk about where we're at with those seasons and the players and things like that. And so I think it's been a fun exercise. I know Palau was definitely a strong start there, Anna. We did a whole bunch. And then we did Fiji, which I actually would move up a lot in my rankings now. And now we're on Gabon. And I think this is proving the same thing. Watching 40 in a row, you have some interesting perspectives on players and or what happens in the season. And then as you actually watch it, you're like, oh, I felt very strongly about certain things because of what had happened in the season right before this. But now in isolation, I can take in different aspects of this. So we're going to do our second time around initial thoughts. Anna, you're going to go first. So I'm going to out myself. This is not my second time rewatching. It is my third. I happened to have watched this season pretty immediately after we recorded our episode because Joe, my brother, was watching it, but he was like a little bit behind. So we watched it through the first time. We recorded our episode, said the things we said, and then I watched it again, and then I watched it this time. And on the second rewatch, my thoughts really hadn't changed, but I was able to kind of notice the humor in the season and like take more of the entertainment value out of it, which I think is something we will get way into in this episode. However, However, on this third rewind, it was very polarizing. And I don't think that the season would move at all in my rankings. I feel good about where it is. It wasn't totally at the bottom, but I don't think it would move up anymore just because I did already have that second watch earlier in the timeline of noticing that like, oh, it actually is a really fun, hilarious season. 
if you're not trying to like really nitpick it for good gameplay. But this time I just found it on the one hand, wildly more enchanting and charming and hilarious. But on the other hand, just like also more disappointing, maybe because I already knew the like little nuggets of fun. And so then I was just kind of dragged down by the fact that like after a while, that is kind of all you get out of it. However, those moments of fun are there. They're really, really strong. And it's a season that if you know what you're getting into, you can really enjoy it. It's definitely not for everybody though. Yeah, I don't know if I would recommend it to people like watching for the first time because of that reason, but I liked watching it. It was polarizing and I'm sort of, I'm stuck in that middle place of being like, no, it's really fun and charming, but also like, it's not great. Um, also justice for sugar. Thank you, Anna. You get it. Yeah. Um, Nick feels differently and we'll get to it in a minute. Stacey, you're up. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I too have watched this season about three and a half times. <laughs> the half time was for this assignment. But before that, I had watched it. I watched it like once before we even started the podcast and then twice the week that we did it. I think there's a theme in every single time I've watched it, which is that I can't, for some reason, like I feel like I can't focus in this season. The environment is beautiful. I love the scenes with the elephants and nature and all of that. But I feel like I can't during the challenges and stuff, I like can't watch it. Like I mostly, I mostly listen and I'll be like doing something else, but like listening. I don't know why I'm not like as engaged in this season. So I kind of failed the homework assignment for this week, but I will say, I mean, I agree with what you're saying, Anna, like there are some very funny moments. There were definitely quotes I thought were hilarious that I forgot. I texted the group one and I was like, oh, I didn't know I already, I already commented on how funny this was the first time. So, I mean, it's consistent to me with that. It's still funny in many ways. I will, I know we're going to talk more about specific players and I will say, I do think from what I watched, I think I appreciated Sugar maybe more this time than even the other times. But yeah, I just, I feel like I need to like talk to my counselor about this maybe, about why Gabon, like I just can't get into it. Like I feel like I go in with all these good intentions and then I'm just like, I can't, I can't do it. And I like start swiping through Instagram while just listening to it. So once I, you know, speak to my counselor, I will, I will report back. <laughs> so. Stacey, we do expect an update soon. Also, I thought you were going to say you were swiping through like Bumble or something. And I was like, yes, bitch, get yourself a boyfriend while watching a boat. I, mean, I should be doing that, but <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> It's fine. We're all doing great. Nick. So I had a very opposite reaction as opposed to Anna and Stacy. I think this has been the most successful rewatch so far. I watched it and like my opinions drastically changed. It changed on the season as a whole and it changed on the people. The people that I originally didn't like when watching are now my favorite players. And the players that I did like, I now hate. I already know when we talk about Sugar, I'm the one who's going to be getting hate for it because I don't think Justice for Sugar, I don't think she should have been in the final three. Dom was Sugar, I'm against her gonna be fully honest like we'll get to that and why but I loved this season and like I thought it was so good and it reminded me a lot of you three will not get this but maybe one person listening will it reminds me of Drag Race season four where it was very much like the cast was like kind of producing themselves and they kind of went in there like we are going to give the producers of this show what they want from us they want us to be bitches well fuck yeah we're going to do that and like watching Corinne and watching Randy, I was like, that's what you're doing. 
Like, Corinne very much in all of her cutaways is like, I'm not like this in real life, but we're playing a game for a million dollars. I'm going to say what the fuck I want to say. And she does. And I'm like, go off, Corinne. I loved you. And like, Randy, I even liked Randy on this rewatch. I don't know what was happening, but I was like rooting for Randy and Corinne. And I was like, yes, yeah, mm-hmm. all in. I really liked this rewatch. A lot of my opinions changed of it, and I'm about it. I just think it's really rude that you would assume that. Yeah, have you seen it? Yes, multiple times. Okay, great. Do you get what I mean? Because like you also like like the production aspect. It feels like people were like self-producing themselves or they very much were aware of the fact that they are on a reality TV show and they're like, we are going to give production what they want. I don't even want to get into it now because I could go on and on, but like, yes and no. I think that gives like the actual people a bit more credit than it does give the producers because like a lot of times, even when it seems that way, like it's the producers pulling the right stuff and asking for the right stuff. But I don't disagree with you. Okay. So there's some thoughts on Gabon. For me, I actually won on a rewatch, liked this season a lot more than I did originally. For context, I went and read every EW questionnaire that was with a Gabon person. There are five of them in case you're wondering. It's like Bob. Kenny, Crystal, Sugar, and Corinne. So they've all done one if you want to go read them. They're actually all really good. There's a lot of tidbits that I'll probably throw in as as we talk. But I actually really liked Gabon on a rewatch. The first time as I was listening to our episode from last time, we kind of talked a lot about Jeff and theorized about whether or not Julie Berry had just broken up with him, which like, I still stand by this theory. I still stand by it, but like, that's not the point of the podcast. And we didn't talk a lot about whether or not it was actually a strategic game. And I think this will lead into our fans of Spoken, which is going to be our next segment. But I think you could argue that it is a strategic game. It's just like, to quote Randy, like run by doofuses or like seemingly doofuses, even though I don't actually think very many of them actually are, but it just feels like clumsy Survivor at times, but very entertaining. I do think it's a very entertaining season of Survivor. I think they struggle because they are smack dab after Micronesia. And so if you're watching in order, there was more time in real time between Micronesia and Gabon. But like, if you're doing an us thing or a broiled survivor thing, which shout out, I am so in on his journey. It's insane. If you're doing that, where you're just watching them back to back to back to back to back, it's hard to separate your feelings about one season from the other. And so for me, I actually think Gabon has a lot of really interesting people and people I would have liked to see play again. A few of them do, but I kind of wish more of them had. And yeah, I thought it was really good. Nick and I were talking last night and Nick was like, I think it's a good season with a kind of unsatisfying ending. And I felt like that was a pretty accurate description. Even though I am still team justice for sugar, it's just an unsatisfying end and we can get into it a little bit. Okay. I decided to change up the format of our episodes a little bit for this rewatch. Shout out to all of our listeners. We had so many fans of Spoken come in. I tried to get all of them, but if you don't hear yours, I'm sorry. And I love you, but I think I got all of the different people who responded and have at least part of what they said in here. So here we go. At Aunt White 97 said, why is this season so bad yet so entertaining? And then at Outcast.Original said, Gabon is the greatest survivor season for entertainment. But when you watch for strategy, it's a little bit like the grimace face where your teeth are gritted and you're kind of like, am I really watching Survivor? I don't know. So I would love to know y'all's thoughts on this do you agree do you disagree I've talked a lot so I'll save mine for a sec but does someone want to start us off I mean I don't like I disagree I guess because I keep like I want to enjoy it but like after the first episode I feel like I just I'm like 
okay, I just need to get through this season <laughs> and go to the next. Like, I don't know why I just could not get that into it. And again, I mean, to me, what's entertaining is like the location. I mean, that like, to me, I'm, I, I almost want to just see more of the elephant watching scenes than like the season. <laughs> and I don't know why, but I don't know. I mean, there are like interesting elements. I think there are like a couple tribe swaps. I mean, even the Exile Island, it's a little different because you can choose. I mean, it was always sugar, but like you can choose if you want like comfort versus the clue. So like, I don't, there are things I feel like I like, but just when I sit down to watch it, I just like cannot get into it. Interesting because I don't fully disagree but like I would sooner apply those statements to Fiji. That to me is a season that universally people are like, it's so bad, but it's so entertaining. Like, I think that's kind of what I said about it like early on in some of our episodes. But this season, like you could say the same thing, certainly. It's bad, but it is entertaining. But there's just, there's something different about the ways in which it's bad, but entertaining versus like the ways in which a season like Fiji is bad, but entertaining. And I can't quite put my finger on what that difference is. Maybe I'll figure it out over the course of this episode. But I do think there's something to be said for like, where does the entertainment value come from? I think with a season like Gabon, it comes from the comedy, but the comedy is born from the players being kind of bad at the game. And thus like the two go hand in hand, where like if they were better at the game, perhaps the season wouldn't be so entertaining. I'm not fully sure. I definitely agree with the sentiment, but I'm still trying to work out like the reasons why, at least in my personal opinion, why I agree with it and like what aspects of bad and entertaining culminate to make this one so poorly received. Because I think both of the statements, the bad and the entertaining are stronger in this season universally than they are with Fiji. I think more people would say Fiji's just bad, even though like there are, I think, the exact same nuggets of humor in it. But I think if you ask more people, they would be like, no, Gabon is like the hilarious bad season. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out what the difference is there but I certainly agree yeah it's hard to tell what kind of is going on there I'll let Nick speak and then I'll well I was like I mean I agree I think what happened this season is the people who had strategy or like who had ideas for strategy got voted out by people who didn't have strategy and didn't want to play with strategy and they were kind of just like well we don't want to do it that way so we're going to get rid of you like ace Marcus then Charlie like all those people like they got rid of them and those are the only people who are actually playing the game with strategy where everybody else wasn't and then you kind of have like Kenny and Crystal who had a little bit of strategy but then that also got taken down and stuff and I think that's like where the unsatisfying ending comes into play right it's like the final three are people who didn't really have a strategic way to get to the end they just kind of got there by trying like, like by just being there honestly like Bob and Susie they got to the end they got to the final three because they were there and then Sugar got to the final three by flipping every other day because she was crying about what she did the previous day and it's like none of you really had strategy you kind of just got to the final three and I think that's what makes the ending so unsatisfying but people who like to watch reality tv and like heightened drama and like that you know Real Housewives of New York like the only thing fake about me is this and like flipping over a table and like people who like that kind of drama that's why you watch Gabon because it is that level of over the top batshit crazy drama that doesn't need to be there but it's amazing that it is like you get the amazing sound bites of Curran being like maybe he's a former fatty I don't know or you have like the cookie debacle at the auction between Randy and Sugar and you're like why is this happening 
But also, I cannot look away. And so I think that's like what kind of comes into play with Gabon. It's not a season for people who like to watch strategy. It's a season for people who like to watch reality TV. And I think what happened was you we just came off of Micronesia, which was such a strategy-heavy game. And it was so entertaining to watch because of the badass strategy happening. And then you go into Gabon and it's like quick flip, opposite, not that at all. And you're like, oh, that was kind of a jarring experience. I think that's an interesting way of describing it, that this is more reality TV than it is reality competition. I don't disagree with you. I hadn't thought about it that way. I think we really underestimate and discount Kenny, like as a fandom. I think we, like as a group of people, and I'm not just talking about the four of us on this Zoom. I'm talking about like in general. I think Kenny really did get it. I think Marcus did too, but he was a product of his own stupidity by throwing away the immunity idol and then literally needing it at the next tribal council. It's fine. We've moved on. I do think that Kenny was an actual strategist. I think he does get cocky which we know does not bode well for people. But he also, he got to really maneuver within the game in a really interesting way. I liked Crystal better on a rewatch. I found her very annoying the first time around. And I liked her better on a second watch. I was like, she's just a little bit emotional. And I felt like a lot of them were, like a lot of them just had sugar included. Like a lot of them had emotional reactions to what was going on. And it's really interesting to me as I'm watching this, like Kenny was able to kind of take in what was going on around him and use it to his advantage. And he was talking about like how it's related to strategy and video games. I don't play enough video games to know if that's legitimate, but something about how he thinks about things made him prime to play this game really well. Like he picked up on like, hey, there's a vibe here. Like, I don't like it. I want to change it. I want to change who's in charge. I want to change Blake. And I really appreciated that about him. And I think it's also really interesting as we've been rewatching the three seasons we have watched so far in our rewatches have basically been this have versus have nots trope over and over and over again. And I do think that makes for good entertainment. Whether or not it's always your cup of tea is neither here nor there at this point, but I do think it makes for entertaining television. I think that trope of some people get richer and some people get worse is interesting. I think the reason Gabon is then interesting is because Coda is literally killing it, like has so much food. It's insane. And you're like, they're just gonna walk to the end and then production's like, no. They're not. We're going to do a tribe swap. Now the numbers are off. Even though Coda still has the numbers in both, like it's still, it's like wary. And then it's like, oh, we're going to fake merge. You're actually two new tribes again. Fun. And so I think it's just a good balance of twists. It's an entertaining season because there's one idol. There's not five. Bob makes a really good fake one, but there's not like seven. It doesn't get used till the end. So it doesn't go back into circulation. It is stripped back survivor. But then, like we said, it's a little bit confused, right? Like, it's a little bit like, do you actually know what you're playing? I think something that I forgot about until just now, which is, I don't remember if it was a tweet or a Reddit post or what it was, but it was the sentiment of like, why would we ever have a season of people who were voted out first when we have Gabon, a season cast entirely of people who on any other season would be the first to go? And I think- That sentiment, like it's a cast of caricatures and typically you have like one or two really, I guess like heightened personality types on any given season. And in this cast, you just have every cast type that we have cast for is the mold. 
You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Ace is a caricature. Sugar's a caricature. Bob, to a certain extent, is a caricature. Randy, Corinne, Crystal, like everybody is such a loud version of their like character mold that I think it throws the balance of the season off. Because usually you don't have that much personality, I'll say, at any like one time. And in this season, you have it all at once. And it just like tips it into weird territory. But like supreme for entertainment. It's great entertainment. And I think that's why I like this season. I don't know, because I do always say like when I'm watching Survivor, like I want good strategy and I want all that entertaining blindsides and stuff. And like this doesn't have that. It has actually a lot of blindsides, which are great to watch. So maybe that's like why I feel differently. I don't, I just, I really liked watching it and I could watch it again very soon. I really enjoyed it. Like I turned from last week when you watch Survivor again. Last week, literally, I was just like, I can never watch Survivor again. I'm done with it. I'm over. And this week, I'm like, guys, Gabon's lit. I'm ready to watch. I texted the group chat on like Monday morning. I was like, y'all, this shit is so good. Why did we sleep on Gabon? I'm like all in. It was so entertaining to watch. Like, I didn't, oh, God. I mean, it just shows how like there's a season for everyone, but not every season is for everyone. <laughs> so like, that's I, I <laughs> Nick, that should be your next tattoo. <laughs> if you need, an, if you need a quote, there's a season for everyone, but not every season is for everyone. <laughs> People are going to be like, wait, do you like winter, spring, summer, or fall? <laughs> and then that's when you get to go. No, no, I'm survivor. No, I'm survivor. <laughs> you uncultured swine. Yeah, <laughs> I just, I don't know, because I think maybe Anna, you were saying like it is. Like, yeah, everyone has like a big personality and there is a lot happening. And Nick, you were saying it's kind of like other types of reality TV in some ways. And I think that's maybe what it is. Like, I am like overwhelmed. Like, I like to just have like one kind of like theme I can kind of focus on. But I feel like there were just so many personalities and like just too, there was like too much to pay attention to maybe. If we were watching this in real time, like once a week, every Wednesday, yeah. I could see us all getting so excited to like watch it on Wednesday. Like, oh my God, what are these idiots going to do or say this week? Who's going to cry? Who's going to get yelled at? Who's going to be doing the yelling? I could see that being the trope that it would be following while that, Maybe that's part of it is that it was like all at once. Like we didn't watch it weekly. We watched it like all at once. So, so Anthony and Outcast Originals, you sparked quite a debate there. I don't know if that was on purpose. But what we've come down to is Gabon is entertaining, but we can't figure out why. So I think I gave a pretty good reason. Nick, you gave a good reason. Take your take your oath. Give me my flowers, Mimi. Mimi, give me my flowers. You have to stop making drag race references on the Survivor episodes. That was a Wendy Williams reference. You uncultured swine. Again, (laughs) even worse. Why would I know Wendy Williams if I? (gasps) It's just like it's not happening. Wow. Okay. And during Pride Month. I, I, I think we need to stop calling Wendy Williams a gay icon. Like she's I just, not, but she is. <laughs> she's not. Like she's not. She's not, but she is. You know. Is this our most entertaining episode of the pod? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, are we taking from the Gabon? See what happens castaways? when Nick is happy. <laughs> Jesus. Oh my God. We have one more specific fans have spoken question in this moment. And then we're going to use some of the others throughout. Um, But this one comes from Yasser Ice Queen or Yasser underscore Ice Queen that says, who wins this season if the second swap doesn't happen? So just a reminder, I'm assuming you guys have all rewatched The Bone. But if you need a reminder, they all go to what seems like a merge feast. They're all chatting. It's Coda and Fong. They've come together. I think at that point, this was the new Coda 
had six left and they were calling them themselves the Coda Six. And then there were the Fong Four, which were Crystal, Kenny, Sugar, and Maddie, I believe. And so they all have this beautiful feast. They're so excited. And there's a box on the table and it says, do not open, do not read until you're done eating. They go through it. They throw the immunity idol in the ocean. It's like a whole thing. And then they open it thinking it's going to be their new tribe buffs and hey, color a flag, whatever. And it's like, just kidding. You have to pick a rock, even numbers you're on Coda, odd numbers you're on Fong. And just for reference of who those people were, like the new, new Coda is Bob, Marcus, Susie, Kenny, Crystal. And the new Fong is Randy, Corinne, Sugar, Charlie, and Maddie. So who do we think wins if we had not had that swap? Beforehand, it was the Coda Six, and like I said, the Fong Four, which was Crystal, Kenny, Sugar, and Maddie. I think Marcus, Charlie, and Corinne would have been the top three if that second merge didn't happen. Like the second swap. Yeah. Maybe not Corinne. I think Marcus and Charlie for sure would have been the top two. I think that third spot would have been interchangeable. But Marcus and Charlie were running game the entire time and like always had control and always knew what was happening and nobody ever questioned them on it. So I think that's who I see getting them. I feel like, yes, I agree with you. But I also think that like Corinne was potentially smart enough to like get over on them. But I, and then I also think um, about like, does Marcus, probably nobody else, just Marcus, <laughs> have the ability to beat Bob at certain individual immunity challenges once we get to that point? And then is he then seen as a threat? That's I guess what that's I the point if he like is winning them. But I'm like, in the world in my mind, he's able to win some, Bob is still able to win some. But after they've each won a couple, they are then the target. So in my fantasy, maybe Corinne wins. <laughs> I I feel like I kind of agree with you, Anna. I think Corinne would have potentially maybe brought Randy and Bob. I think Bob might have gotten there on his own merit and Corinne would have maybe flipped a few people like a few times because Bob kept winning immunity. But I kind of think Corinne has the savviness to get that far. And I think in fans are favorites too. That's part of her downfall is people know that she's good and know that she's pretty smart and pretty savvy. And then she ends up in groups that like keep getting broken away, just kind of like this. But I do think she has the savviness to kind of see like, ooh, if I bring Marcus, I lose to Marcus. Do you think though? Do you think in that same way she would, like, would she dislike Sugar so much to vote her out or know that other people disliked her enough to tough it out and bring her to the end? Well, my thing was like, do you think if she brings Bob that she loses to Bob? Because she was also unlikable. Yeah, that's what I think. Oh, here's the only problem with that. I do think the interesting part of that, if she had gone with Bob, is that the same people liked her and Bob. Like the people who voted for Bob were people who would have potentially voted for Corinne because they all did have like a special relationship. Charlie and Randy, team Corinne. There's actually, I don't know if you guys watched episode 10. I did watch it. It's like a behind the scenes. There's like new scenes. And Corinne basically was like, the jury is mine. Like the jury is in my pocket. I run what the jury thinks. And so Sugar will not be getting a single vote. That's basically what she says. And she's right. I would be intrigued to know how how she got there because I don't know if it would be a situation where they're like, well, we're just going to give it to Bob because he like Mike in season 30 just won a lot of immunities. Or would they be willing to give it to Corinne for being able to be like, I think Corinne would have a good final tribal. I think she'd answer questions and be like, she might be a little bit, you know, aggressive, but I do think she would be able to explain what she did. And if that was, if that jury was willing to hear that, I think it could be really interesting. Or she would, like you said, Anna, bring two goats. She might bring Randy and Sugar who are unlikable 
if she can maneuver that and then she gets to win by default almost can you imagine that like if Corinne had won I just can't I can't imagine it <laughs> I really think that second tribe swap did her dirty Here's the a lot of too. Dirty, if Corinne wins that season we get a very different edit of Corinne mm-hmm. like yeah. you know and so the the Corinne that could potentially win is not the one that we see because she would have been wiped a little bit cleaner. Agreed. You know what that also changes, Anna? The effects of Caramoa. I know. What would have happened? Maybe Cochran wouldn't have won. You guys, this timeline, that's enough. (laughs) We've closed Um, the timeline because that's not what happened and it doesn't fit in with Anna's fantasy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Corinne winning can live in my fantasy, but not if it changes the whole timeline of Survivor. I think it also like depends because we saw people like Corinne, like like her, because of what happened mm-hmm. but if she, she does was, create her own like archetype but if she was like running game do we think those people would have liked her stuff because she kind of blindsided them and voted them out oh you so mean- like it's all it I all depends it. too it's like in this so-called like merge if it actually was a merge who was running game and like were they nice about running game because I think like, marcus was I think Marcus was, but like, I don't know. I'm knowing Corinne and seeing what we saw of Corinne. I don't think she would have been nice running game. And so I think that could have changed it and like could have led to the whole, well, I like Bob more than I like Corinne. So I would give her the money or something along those lines. And so I think that's why we can never say who would actually win because it all depends on who goes on the jury and how they get on the jury based on who's mm-hmm. But it's an interesting question, right? I hope I, we, I hope we answered it. Yeah. I will say, I do still think Susie would get to the final three. Because she tried hard. <laughs> because she proved that you could try hard, but also she was the goat of all goats. It's just, we kind of touched on this in the first episode, so I don't need to think we need to go back to Susie because she just didn't strike me as someone who was important enough to bring up. Like, no offense. Oh, like, geez. I liked her, and I, I think she... um She did win two individual immunities. I know. I feel like she just, she gets left on for a myriad of reasons, and I think it's because of her final tribal speech of, like, I tried, so give it to me because I tried. And I was like, I don't think that's how this works. Okay, so thank you so much for submitting your thoughts and questions. We have a few more that will come up as we go through. I think at this point in the timeline of us releasing episodes, make sure you submit them for the fans pick episode. Um, I think that's when this will come out. So release them for the fans pick episode, put them in our DMs, send them to our email. So we are ready to talk about that. We don't know what the fans pick is yet. You're voting tomorrow in this timeline. So enjoy. Okay. I just had three kind of things that came up as I was rewatching this season that I wanted to like point our attention to. And one of them was I read Ken's Entertainment Weekly interview. And in our original Gabon episode, we talk a little bit about the theme of Earth's Last Eden. And I basically say it's a little too on the nose. There's snakes and you get to pick an apple and eat it at exile. Like we're leaning into Adam and Eve versus Satan in the Garden of Eden. Like we're leading, <laughs> we're leaning into that in a weird way. But in Ken's interview, he talks about how their season was actually themed good versus evil, which I think is related to Earth's Last Eden. I don't know if this is a theme he picked up on as a member of the cast, if it was in some way told to them, and then they probably, I honestly think 
if you, even if it was themed that way, they were like, we can't call it that on national television. Like we can't call it Earth's Last Eden, good versus evil. Like that's quite a moniker. Heroes versus villains is a lot. Good versus evil is really putting something special on its castaways. And I think could have been very detrimental to your psyche. But I kind of want to know, do you guys think that that is actually accurate? Like, do we think that has anything to do with why either this season is quote unquote entertaining? Do we think that's actually a legitimate thing? I'll start. I kind of think it does. To me, it makes sense that Anna said earlier, it's a cast of caricatures. I think this good versus evil thing, even if that was not how they casted, but then that was kind of part of the theming of the show. I do think that's what they got. On our first watch of this, we were like, so many of them are unlikable. There were like at least eight of them that were unlikable. That's half the cast. Like, I do think it has legs, but I would love to hear your thoughts. I would be very curious to see who they divided up as good and who they divided up as evil because I think somewhere in the middle of the season those lines get very blurred because I think in like the very beginning Kenny could be described as like someone who is good but then he starts to get a little power and then turns evil and like that would have been a very interesting storyline if like we're going the good versus evil route you know that saying from like Batman you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain that's like kind of like what happens with Kenny it would be very interesting to see how the trials would be divided that way. I wouldn't be surprised if that or some semblance of that was the theme from the beginning and like maybe partially after they started like we got a couple days in and maybe it wasn't working and then they were like let's ditch this and like we'll edit out the things that were too obvious um just because I know from like reading a little bit about like things that allude to Jeff and his like disdain for the season like especially during production like he wasn't having it I think production was kind of moving course a bit as they were filming or like things were getting a little bit not messy but just like not going in the direction that it had originally been been planned to go um I didn't read into it that much but <laughs> lol Wikipedia it seems like that was kind of the vibe of like things weren't going the way that they had planned them to go and they had to kind of switch things up midway so like I wouldn't be surprised if there was a theme at the start and it got ditched especially like Corinne is edited to be so like I'll say bitchy I don't mean to say that she's a bitch but she she's given that character like Randy's a curmudgeon like Ace is a freaking Bond villain like we have the evil quote-unquote if, if we're calling it good versus evil and like Sugar is obviously put in a good light she comes back as a hero on heroes versus villains like we have people in each category lightly and so i could definitely believe that there was some working of a theme at some point and then they were like actually you know what no let's not do that yeah i wonder how many people like do we know who was recruited and who wasn't i wonder if they like recruited a ton of them if they were going to do a theme like that but i'll try and look it up stacy but we did talk about that on our original episode we all kind of thought that maybe the a lot of them were recruited yeah i know i was trying to find it and i know a long time ago i sent that like spreadsheet that has what survivor fans think of who was recruited and not but either way i mean it's possible i mean i'm kind of glad they didn't do that i don't know like i like that heroes versus villains was like the first one kind of like that because it was people we had already seen i don't think i would want to see it for like new people i wonder this would have been before heroes versus villains so like i wonder how he would have felt not having seen heroes versus villains that's true also like just thinking of early 2000s problematicness where would they have put charlie would he have been on the good side or the bad side because he is gay 
I'm like, oh God, that could have gotten messy. At least like Heroes vs. Villains, you did it based on their season and everyone was like, yeah, yeah, I see that. Like we can go on their season. Yeah, that's why I feel like it's safer that way. You know, it's hard to be like, this person is a bad person in their real life. Ouch. <laughs> But maybe that's like exactly what happened. Like maybe that was their idea. And then as soon as they got the people out there and actually like started filming, they were like, oh no, it's not as clear cut as it was like when we did it based on like, I don't know, profession or whatever. Mm -hmm. We can't, we're taking it back. <laughs> like, yeah. Never mind. <laughs> well, I feel like we even talked about in our Heroes versus Villains episode about the toll that those words took on people, like from a psychology perspective. So can you imagine being like, you're the evil drive? <laughs> like... I'm literally laughing at the thought of Jeff trying to explain it and like it didn't have legs but well, I do it's like when it is Eden and then you're like well now we're putting a biblical spin on it so you're not just evil but you're also evil in the biblical sense <laughs> like it just it's so yeah it doesn't work would it like literally be like y'all are the devil that fucking teased Eve to eat the apple <laughs> Yeah, like that's the thing. I do. It would be interesting to know. I wish we could have been like flies on the wall in the production meeting. You know what I mean? But I do think there's something to be said for even if they weren't ever going to theme it that way, I do feel like it was cast that way. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? I feel like it was cast with this idea of like good versus evil. We're not going to call them that, but we're going to be able to edit them that way because it is a cast of caricatures in the same Entertainment Weekly you know, questionnaire thing. Corinne talks about how she's not even that mad about her edit. She's like, it wasn't even really an edit. Like what I said is what I said, like, it's fine. But she did say fans of Survivor can only see people on the show as one dimensional. So even if I wasn't that way all the time, they're only going to see you as a one dimensional version of yourself. And I thought that was very poignant. I was like, honestly, I think you're right. I think you're very accurate about that in terms of like people just aren't going to see you for more than you are because it's harder to process that way. If I have to think about you as a real human being, then I can't judge you for what you're doing on my television. So I have to think about you as a one dimensional character. Just I found that spreadsheet. So I don't know if this is accurate, but it looks like about 10 of them were recruits maybe. And it's like Charlie, Corinne, Dan, Sugar, Kelly, Marcus, Maddie, Michelle, and Paloma, and Bob. Those are the ones that, in the, I don't know who created this, but people have speculated that those were recruits. So so it's still, it's like, so that means like Kenny wasn't a recruit, you know? So I don't know. And like Crystal, you would think Crystal actually would be a recruit because like when they get former athletes, they're usually like recruited, but. Kenny, because Kenny was like the number one oh, yeah. Smash Bros player like in the world. Like yeah. I would think that he would be recruited. It's just interesting to think about. Okay. So we've kind of been dancing around this topic the whole time in our conversation so far, but we're going to kind of go into what has kind of become a segment on these rewatches of changed impressions of castaways. So basically I'm just going to have each one of us share someone that we felt differently about on a second rewatch. And we can kind of respond to and talk as a group about each one of these people. And then we'll basically be done after that and do our regular segments. Anna, go. So mine's sugar. I was a victim of my own internalized misogyny 
the first time we watched this season. And I am, I was going to say I'm man enough to admit that, but that's just absolutely the wrong wording. I am confident enough in the fact that I am not a misogynist to admit the fact that my internalized misogyny made me dislike Sugar the first time we watched this season. I was like, she's annoying. She's a do nothing. She's like schmoozing for the camera. She's doing her little cutesy thing on Exile. And like, of course she didn't win because she's obnoxious. And that just like wasn't the case this time around. I think I was very harsh on her because I was like, everybody thinks she's weak. She totally is. She's like playing up that she's like a cute, sassy girl, but also like she's admitting in her confessionals that she's playing it up and that like she does know what she's doing. But I was like, no, she doesn't. She thinks she does, but she doesn't. And I just was like unnecessarily harsh on her. Now, I don't know if I said things that were particularly harsh in our episode. Um, I don't recall what I said, but I know in my mind, I was like, I do not like her. I don't know if I admitted that in the episode. I hope not. I think you did. Probably not in so like drastic amount, but I also do think. I, I do think part of that comes from like, I then immediately watched it again after our episode. And I was talking to my brother who absolutely hated her. And I was like, is it your internalized misogyny? Cause it's mine. And so I also had someone in my ear being like, thank God Sugar didn't win. Like she never would have deserved it, blah, blah, blah. I actually think she did. I think all of the time spent at exile, like wa- watching it through this time, I was like, I don't understand how after all of that, you can dislike her. Just from like a purely like watching the show, taking in the information that we're given through the edit, through what the producers are trying to make us feel like they want us to like sugar she's presented as incredibly likable perhaps a bit emotional but that's okay i can find no other reason for why i really didn't like her the first couple times that i watched it aside from the fact that i was like she's annoying why is she annoying because she's emotional and cute great do i hate women absolutely not why do i hate sugar so this time around i really liked her and i tried to just pay closer attention to her and like yeah i don't think she deserved to win the game but i was happy to see her make it so far I liked her a lot. Justice for her in Heroes vs. Villains too, because she got the opposite edit in that she was presented as annoying and emotional, probably mm-hmm. because a lot of people saw her in Gabon and were like, sugar is annoying and emotional. And then that's what she got in Heroes vs. Villains. So I just think like she got done dirty by the fact that she is a woman. Anna, one, hard to agree with you. Um, I'm going to let Nick give his like response to sort of the sugar love slash his reasoning for not necessarily loving her. But I will say, if you guys want a really interesting read, I'll send it to you guys. The Entertainment Weekly article, like questionnaire of sugars is one, fascinating, but two, also just paints a picture of like what was going on with her. Because I was watching Final Tribal and I do think Final Tribal is her downfall and to me I think part of it is she just convinced herself there was no way she was going to win like there was just no way people were going to be too mad at her and I think in a modern jury they might have been if she had been able to own her moves she could have won but a tidbit from the entertainment weekly thing is she brings up not once but twice that they had to give her like anti-anxiety like a drug before she went to final tribal and I was like that actually explains a lot of why this seems kind of chaotic almost of like flipping off Corinne and like kind of not giving a shit about how she was viewed in that final, you know, moments. She was like, I don't like that that's how that went down. And I was like, I didn't know that beforehand. But then reading about it later, I was like, this game really does a number on you. It really does a fucking number on you. And I think Sugar is a byproduct of she went on Survivor to try and get closure from her dad's death. And we are watching her deal with that in real time and also deal with forming relationships with people, creating bonds with people in a way that she hasn't been able to do in a long time because she hasn't had money and things like this, or she has been out of work actress and I just like so many things and I I like loved her as a person and I really watched her edit this time around and I, I stand by my comment about thinking that she should have won 
do I think that she planned everything? No, but do I think that she made the most significant moves in the game? Yes. And I'll let Nick talk about why he disagrees with me. Yeah. So my thing with Sugar is I don't like her. And that's, it's not that I don't like her. I don't like her in the game of Survivor. And one, the emotions, of course, is like a big thing with me. I never like players who are like overly emotional. And like, I'm going to be honest and people are probably going to be mad at me. I agree with what Corinne says to her at Final Tribal. Like maybe I'll have more sympathy about you and your dead dad if you didn't cry over every little thing that happened in this game. I understand you are going through a hard emotional time. I get that. And I do truly feel bad for her. But like when you're sitting and crying that your tribe just won a challenge, you're like, they just never win anything. And I feel so bad for them. I'm like, shut up. When you're sitting at Exile Island eating fruit in a hammock and you're sobbing, why do I get to enjoy this but everybody else doesn't? It's like, shut up. Oh my God. And it makes the moments where she is genuinely upset and crying about her dad that was supposed to find this sympathy. Then I'm like, no, I've seen you cry one too many times about stupid shit. And now I'm over it. And I don't want to see that arc of you anymore. It just feels disingenuous. It's like you are crying over little, literally every little thing that's happening to you. I don't care anymore. And then all the moves she made were, yes, they were probably the biggest moves in this season, which like isn't really saying much because there wasn't that many big moves. But like, yeah, like the biggest moves are credited to her. They were never out of a strategy standpoint. They were out of a reactionary standpoint. You know, like, oh my God, Ace lied to me and like told me this stuff. And that's why I voted against this person. But now Maddie's telling me that Ace was lying to me. So now I'm going to vote Ace out. And then the next time, wait, Crystal and Kenny were lying to me. Now I'm going to vote Crystal and Kenny out because they, it's like, you're not playing the game. You're letting people manipulate you because you showed us how vulnerable you are and that you don't really have a mind of your own. You're just being manipulated and it's frustrating to watch. And one of the most frustrating parts is her final tribal. And like, I get she was like kind of drugged during it, which like does paint a better picture for it. But it's the moment of final tribal where she's like, I think Charlie asks her a question and she's like, I don't necessarily think you need to vote for me. I don't think any of you need to vote for me. And I'm like, why are you here? Maddie wanted to win and you fucked him over to sit at final tribal and pretty much tell the jury, don't give me a million dollars. And like, that makes me annoyed and upset. You didn't need to be there. That's my take with her. It's like, there was so many things. I was just like, you're really pissing me off this time around. Well, I was going to say sugar as well. (laughs) It was similar reasons to Anna. And I actually don't remember what I said about sugar the first time. So, I mean, I might be repeating the same thing. Or for context, we didn't talk about her as much as I thought we did in the uh, original episode. I don't know if it was our just conversations in general before we recorded or what it was. I think we talked about her, but we also talked a lot about Bob and Susie and just like how final, we kind of more focused on like how final tribal went down rather than like their arc across the season. If that gives you any context, that's helpful, Stacey, but... Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not, I won't repeat the same things about sugar. So I'll, I'll give my second person, which was Crystal. Cause I do think the first time we watched, I was like, I don't, I think I was like disappointed. Cause I was like, she's a former Olympic athlete. And I just feel like she's not competing that well. <laughs> so I think I was just like let down. Now this time I feel like I just like, there was something she said. Oh, I think when, um, after they had like lost many times and she was like crying, I think, or she was like visibly emotional. And I I think someone I don't know if it was Jeff or someone was just like are you crying because you don't like losing or like what are you crying about and she's just like 
Yeah. I mean, we're out here, like we're hungry. We're like, not, I mean, we're in like a whole new environment and it sucks to just keep like trying so hard and just like failing and all that. So I don't know. And I think that's when she said, like, it's not about the Danish. Like, I don't care about that Danish. Like it's just like demoralizing. And so, I don't know. I think I just felt more connection to her than maybe I did the first time or I like focused on her more. I mean, she was in a lot of the conversations with Kenny and I feel like she was strategizing. She just wasn't like athletically dominating. So, I mean, I think I, I don't think I disliked her the first time, but I think I just had like more appreciation for her this time. She's also interesting. Again, I read so many EW questionnaires, but she's also really interesting. She talks about how like her edit became a stereotypical black person edit at times, or it was related to the fact that, like everyone thought she was going to just like dominate in challenges. So she got this kind of almost buffoon edit. And she was like, that wasn't necessarily fair. And also she made the same point that a lot of people have been talking about, like we talked about with Sabrina and Bryce. And I feel like even with Missy a little bit and maybe Lauren as well like all, everyone who's come on our pod but they were talking she was talking about how like if there'd been a minority editor in the room like that might not have been the view that people had of her regardless of whether or not some of the actions spoke that direction she was like I just felt like at times it felt a little bit like I was getting this like angry aggressive black woman edit of like my strategy when like me and Kenny were doing the same things at the same time right like we were working together but my edit of that came off a lot more aggressive than Kenny did and she was like, it's just interesting to think about like why that happens. And so I think Crystal's a good one Tuesday. I think I remember being annoyed at her. I don't know if we talked about it so much the first time around, but I felt like the first time around, I was like, why can't you do anything? And then on a second rewatch, I was like, that was me just like only believing the edit and not really looking to see if there's anything else I could take away from this person or like what they brought to the show. Nick, you're up. I mean, honestly, like Randy and Corinne, I remember really not liking them the first time we watched it. And it's not that they're more like likable the second time you watch it it's more of like you watch it and you're just like y'all are just making great tv and like just like leaning into the reality tv tropes and like giving people what they want and like I was able to appreciate it a lot more and just be like I just take them for what they were which is entertaining as fuck television every quote Randy said was a gold mine every cutaway Corinne had was amazing. Like they were so entertaining to watch and have on the TV screen that I didn't even care that they were unlikable. They were just able to draw you into the season. First off, shout out to at Aaron.Heinlin. I'm guessing is how you say your last name. I apologize if I butchered it. But he, in our like fans have spoken little question box, he was like, one of the best quotes of the season is Corinne saying that she's going to bury Susie alive, which I don't disagree with. On a rewatch, it wasn't that like, I don't know if I was in a different emotional state when we watched Gabon the first time around. It was a while ago. It was during the pandemic for sure. Um, we literally talk about wearing a mask and like how everyone needs to do that so we can try and maybe one day get back to our normal lives. So like shout out to that part of quarantine. I think I still found Corinne to be a little like harsh on my heart. Like I was like, oh, that was, ooh, some of those things are still hurtful to me. But some of them I did find funnier than I found them the first time. And I think some of her just like it's not erratic because everything Corinne does has a purpose and like she's thinking three steps ahead so it's not erratic in any way shape or form but it's almost like you cut me I cut you faster and her comment about Susie she's like I'm gonna bury her alive I was like that's really fun I kind of like your energy it's like a little manic but also like with the thought of like I want a million dollars so like I'm here to fucking get a million dollars I don't care who I have to cut who I have to like do something to but I didn't love her but having the knowledge of more of her personality from fans or favorites too I think helped me appreciate her in Gabon 
Does that make sense? It's kind of like the opposite of what Sabrina was saying in our interview. Everybody go listen to the interview with Sabrina. It's great. But Sabrina's like, Jeremiah Cutaways, they would try and get me to say things and I would know that they were trying to get me like be kind of problematic so I wouldn't give in to that. And Corinne was like, fuck it. I'm going to just give you what you want. And so you got like the Maybe he's a former fatty. I don't know. Or you got her like talking about sugar. Like I should pretend that I not only care about what sugar has to say, but actually care about her as a human being. And that's terrible. And it's like, oh my God, you are saying these things. And it's things that you say to your close friends about like people who you work with. And you say it to your friends though. And she just said it for America. And I was like, I can respect this. And this is great television. Okay, mine is eight for my changed impression of him. I actually think Ace had what it took to win. Again, in this season where we're realizing like maybe not everyone totally got it. I do think people preyed on Sugar's emotions to get what they wanted out of the game. And then it backfired because it got Sugar further in the game, not necessarily them. So mine are kind of tied together. I think Sugar and Ace were just, I think Ace was seen as like, maybe like faking his accent or like just a little bit of a caricature, like you said, Anna, of a Bond villain. And it was was just like I don't know why people didn't like him I found him quite lovely I found him helpful at camp I found him willing to work with people I was just like I don't understand where this like energy of like a sucks is coming from and I actually thought him and Bob should have maybe worked together more because they both had a lot of skills that would have made living in the jungle like a lot easier and I feel like people liked Bob because he was old maybe and they didn't like Ace because he had an accent which I was just like this speaks to a whole bunch of issues in America for like a whole myriad of other reasons that we can get into later but I was like no what is wrong with you I mean Jeff literally asked the reunion they're like do you think having an accent hurt you in this game and Ace was like yes and everyone was like thumbs up like yeah that's exactly what happened I was like that's a problem I think having his accent hurt him because it wasn't so much an accent as an affect I believe that it was real but it was him being like I'm a third culture kid I've lived all over the world and some of these people haven't left their town like it was just that stereotypically pretentious accent that I think hindered him because it made him seem outwardly untrustworthy in a game where trust based on a first impression is the most important thing. That's fair. I was just like, this is weird. This is all weird. I'm like, I found your accent attractive, Ace. So on a rewatch, I'm fully ready to be your wife. Like, just mm-hmm. call me. Let me know. We, I went to college with someone who had his same accent, but sometimes it would go away when he was drunk. And none of us were his friend because we were like, you, there's something just a little bit off about the way you present. And I'm not saying it's the same thing because I don't know Ace, but I can imagine how that immediately puts up like a barrier of people being like, I don't want to talk to you because something about you seems really untrue. That is fair. I will, I will give you that like, it was a little bit hard to believe. I think I feel the same as I did before. I'm not a, I'm not a huge Ace fan. I just, I don't know. I don't think I would hang out with him <laughs> in real life, probably. So I would, and I would <laughs> like to date him. Except I don't know how old he is now. Like, I, it's confusing. But here we are. I don't like know where he is in life. But like, Ace, hit me up. Okay, last question I have for you guys before we do our normal ending segments is season 17. 
I saw a lot of comparisons between season 14 Fiji, which we just rewatched, and season 17 Gabon, coming right behind a season that was really strong. And in this same era of Survivor, which I think I would call the golden era maybe for me, of like 13 through like 20, I think those are some of the strongest seasons of Survivor for a myriad of reasons. There are so many good ones like Cambodia, Winners at War. There's so many others that like reach out of that thing. But this is like an age where every season hits. And I just wasn't ready to like appreciate Gabon and Fiji for what they were in the time that we actually watched them. So I would just love to know if you guys agree or disagree with that statement. Like does Gabon belong in this group of seasons or not? Like, is it golden age survivor? Is it not? To answer your question, yes, I do think it's worthy of its placement. And I do think that the time period that we're considering should be considered the golden age of survivor, in my humble opinion. I do think Gabon earns its spot because I think, I suppose the sum of its parts are greater than it's worth. Like to flip that phrase around in that, like, if you take every individual aspect of it, it does solidify its place in this quote unquote golden age of survivor, because I think it has all of the same winning elements that say like, I don't want to throw Micronesia out there, but like, if you were to break it down and be like, okay, in terms of like a good cast twists, a good location, like all of the individual elements, it totally checks out with all the others in this period. But then somehow when you put them all together, you're like, wait a minute, does it still belong? I'm like, I think the answer is yes, it does belong, but something has to be on the bottom of the list. They can't all be number one. I really agree with that, Anna. It's like in the golden age, but there's so many other amazing seasons that we get in the golden age that it's like the bottom of the barrel of the golden age. It's still great, but it's like you have so many greater things up against it because it still would not go higher than Micronesia for me or China or Cook Islands but it's still good it's still a great season it's just it's not higher than the best seasons yeah I was trying to like look at a list of some of the seasons in the 20s too because I think I would make I think it maybe to me belongs more like in the early 20s because I mean I'm not counting like heroes versus villains but when I think of like one world and Philippines and which one was Sophia and I can't remember South Pacific like I feel like it could maybe go there where like I like those seasons mostly because of the winner probably but they're still not like my favorite and that's I feel like with Gabon again I'm I still have like mixed feelings about it but I feel like I could see it being in with those seasons understandably but I to me I think some of the ones it's currently around are much better <laughs> I mean I feel like I've been very engaged and and very like excited about some of the ones in this like golden age we're talking about so I would maybe move it a little outside of it but again I just struggle with this season that's okay Stace you're allowed to struggle with the season here and there just like you said <laughs> all right we're gonna vibe check Jeff because last episode we spent a whole 10 minutes talking about how he was just like on another level thank you for that Julie we appreciate your service to the survivor community but <laughs> uh, we didn't actually have hashtag Jeff's vibe check as a segment who remembers that time in the escaping reality podcast history it's It's been a minute, y'all, but yeah, let's vibe check Jeff. Okay, so here's mine. I want to be clear. I wrote down so many Jeff needs a vibe checks things from this season that it was literally out of control. I have at least four per episode. Special shout out to the one where they throw the balls and people have to like run right to left, like (laughs) block the balls coming down the hill. Jeff's little outpost that he had that like came off the cliff that production made for him. Like special shout out to that. 
because that was a full ass mood. It's not my vibe check for Jeff, but like a special shout out that exists. Okay, so my actual vibe check for Jeff is in the challenge where they're basically playing golf, but with a slingshot. And Jeff gives the specs for every hole as if it is actual golf, where he's like, 300 yards downhill grade. And you're like, Jeff, did you come up with this challenge? Like, did your love of golf take over your body and the production team so aggressively that you were like, I know exactly how I'm going to narrate this. Like, I'm going to tell them the specs, like lowest par wins. Like he said, 300 yards downhill grade. And then he's like, 100 yards, good. What did he say? He said, got a nice kick to it. And I was like, Jeff, stop this. Like, why are you like this? It was like he was playing golf with his friends, but it was slingshot golf in the middle of the Gabonese savannah. And I was like, Jeff, this is not it. It was wild to me and so important to me. And I laughed every single time. I really enjoyed it. Every time he talked about it, it was like, Jeff plays too much golf and here he is. Nick, are you ready? Yeah, so many of my vibe checks are just around Jeff being a total dick during challenges. Like when he's talking about like, this entire competition is a massive blowout. And it's like, it's the second challenge of the first episode. Calm down, Mr. Probes. Or just like, Fang, moving along, no thanks to Jillian. Or one of the most lopsided challenges thus far. One of the worst performances in a challenge I have ever seen. He was a total asshole to these people the entire time. I was like, my God, Mr. Probes. But one of the best is the blindfolded challenge where Crystal keeps on going off the course. And he's talking to him, he's like, Crystal, back off the course. Oh, wait, now she's back on. And I'm like, Jeff, shut up and ignore her. Just let her do her own thing. She's not <laughs> going to win. Oh, and then also, I'm sorry, I have so many for Jeff. But during that also blindfolded one, they kept on bumping their heads and he kept on saying, oh, Bob takes another header. Oh, Maddie, getting a header. And I'm like, why are we calling them a header? Like when you play What's soccer. Yeah, but it, you're bumping into posts. And he never says it whenever they do another blindfolded challenge again. And he's just so into saying header. Stacey, are you ready? I'm ready. Mine is every time that Sugar got sent to exile. And at some point he's just like, you know the way. And then he's like, here's the map. Not that you need it. And then he's like, you probably know better than I do. It's like, okay, Jeff, she gets it. You don't have to rub it in every single week or every single time. So I think he had a little too much fun with, Seeing sugar suffer, honestly. Anna. So mine is his voiceover intro in the final episode where typically he will run you through the players that are still left and give like a little quick blurb about like their journey to get to the end and like maybe why they might win. But in this one, he just um lists all the reasons that like they probably shouldn't be there. <laughs> and he does it like kind of for all of them. And I'll paraphrase here, but he's basically like Susie, who no one thought would get here and hasn't really done anything yet. Bob, who would have been voted out a long time ago if he hadn't won every immunity. Maddie, who hasn't won a challenge yet. And like, he just, he has nothing good to say about any of them. He's like, Sugar, who everybody perceived as weak, who went to exile five times in a row. And like, that's it. Like, he says nothing to boost any of them up. It's just like, these people that don't deserve to be here. Did we expect them to be here? No, but they're here. And you're like, I fully believe that you didn't have a writer for this. You wrote this to express your feelings. 1000%. He was like, I don't really understand how you're here, but let me just go on the microphone. 
I got it. I'll get there. Don't worry about me. All right. So that was Jeff needs a vibe check. We are going to go into rapid fire and one of our rapid fires comes in the form of a fans have spoken at sensei underscore fish asks us what is our favorite brandy quote um there are almost too many quotes that he has so everybody take 10 seconds i'll give you some think time this time to go back and decide what quote by randy is your favorite and then we'll share just like jeff needs a vibe check randy has so many great moments that it was hard for me to find just one this is a part of a challenge where he's just standing next to sugar growling at just go, and Sugar's like, Jeff, can you make him stop? And Jeff doesn't know what to say. It's so funny. And then, oh my God, they win the one reward challenge and they're all, everybody is around Randy crying, reading their letters from home. And Randy's just eating food, no emotion, not even reading his letters, just stuffing his face with food. It was so funny. But I think the moment that stuck out to me the most was him and Corinne go off by themselves and they just look at each other and just like, I hate everyone here. And Corinne goes, I hate everyone. And I like, no, seriously, everybody here, I hate. And they just go back and forth for a solid like five minutes just repeating, I hate everyone. And I was like, that is me all the time. <laughs> It's the TikTok that's like, I hate people who work at the bank. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was so funny. I work at the bank. <laughs> the one that's like, I hate. No, wait. Today's I love. love. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And are you ready? I am ready. I will pull mine up. I think my favorite Randy moment is when he cuts his head open in episode one. <laughs> my favorite quote, and there's like the night vision shots of him being like, Am I bleeding? I can't see. <laughs> but my favorite quote is he's talking about something about the tribe. I couldn't even tell you what episode it's in or what portion of the timeline it is, but he says, they're stupid. I really shouldn't blame them for being complete idiots, but they are. They don't know it, but they are. And you're like, yep, same. Completely agree, dude. Complete redo. Oh man. He's so funny. Stace, you're up. Well, one of mine was him just saying he hates everyone, but also him, it must've been in the very early stages where he's like, saying that he's a wedding photographer but he or videographer whatever but he like hates weddings and it seems like he hates love and celebrations of love so I'm just like are you trying to be ironic I don't get your profession I don't get it it was a choice and I don't understand why he made that choice okay so I'm trying to decide I can't decide which one I like better Randy was funnier on a rewatch I will give him that like I didn't find him funny the first time around and then I was like you're just you are this and that's okay it's just it's not my cup of tea but that's what you are you know what I mean so I was like I'm just gonna laugh I think my favorite quote of his is when he's when they're doing like fake merge and he's like pontificating and then he's like I knew there was an idol underneath that tree because it's like out there in the middle and he like has his rosé and he's like it's like out there in the middle there obviously had to be something under that branch and he goes they finally decide to go look for it and he goes I gave myself 20 seconds to find it I think I took seven I am king of Gabon and I was like I need you to stop talking <laughs> and then later on in that same like confessional he says the actual name of the actual king of Gabon and he says I'm sorry to blank like this man but I am king of Gabon and I was like I don't think this is okay I don't think what we've done is okay it was very funny though and he's like sitting there half drunk with his rosé and he's like I am king of Gabon this is my bitch I'm king of Gabon and I was just like so much is happening I think that's it I think that's my favorite Randy quote Whew. <laughs> Ooh, that was a good one. Sorry for laughing in the middle of me talking. It's just like, I can't say it without laughing. 
Okay, surprisingly, first time around, we did not do Zaddy of the season. And when I brought this up, Anna was like, Zaddy who? And then I named at least six people that could have been given Zaddy of the season. So she was like, okay, I, I received my former statement. But pick your Zaddy of the season. Who are you cuddling up with in the hut, Stacy? I am kind of surprised we, did, we didn't do this. I feel like we do it for like every season, pretty much. But mine is Marcus. Mine is definitely Marcus. <laughs> As it should be. Nicholas? Uh, Marcus, because he's also an ally. He was so <laughs> nice to Charlie. And I was like, oh my God, an ally. Cuddle me, daddy. Aww. Anna? Uh, mine's Ace. And I know you share my sentiments, so I don't even need to explain myself. Yeah, it's Ace. The answer's Ace. It might be Maddie if he wasn't fully in love with slash proposing to his girlfriend on the season. But it's Ace. His love of the elephants and getting in the canoe with Maddie. I was like, I, you're my future husband. And um, he like, didn't have to see Ace get raggedy the way that we had to see Maddie get like a little bit raggedy. You're so, not wrong, Anna. You're he's untainted in my mind. It lives rent free in my mind. Okay, really quickly, pick your own honorable mention. You do not have to justify it if you do not want to. But we've been doing this rather than saying a collective honorable mention on our rewatches. It's like, who for you was your honorable mention? I'll go first. I think mine is going to go to Kenny. I think I wildly underestimated him last season. And I really, I know we've already talked about this, so I won't go too far into it, but I think he was the strategist of the season, regardless of what his edit was. Stacey? I'm going to, I think I'm going to go with Sugar for reasons already discussed, but I, I think I would give her more credit this time around. Yeah, you would, girl. Nicholas? Corinne, I already said my reason. And Anna. Mine's going to be really weird, but bear with me. I'm going to say Jillian. What? Second, and only because I was looking back through my notes from the first time we watched this. And literally in my notes, I was like, if Jillian does not get voted out first, I will not watch. And I remember getting like halfway through the episode because it's a double tribal council in the first episode because it's extra long. And she was not voted out first. And I was like, I can't do it. I cannot watch another minute of her. And so this time around, knowing that she went home by the end of the first episode, I was able to be less viscerally annoyed with her. So she's my honorable mention just for that. I love that. Anna, that's literally the first thing you say, like in our original episode, you're like, I almost quit watching because of Jillian. And I really, like, it's not a bit. I really almost had to turn it off. What a turnaround. And last but not least, last time we did silliest challenge because at the time, we were not ready to appreciate this season for what it was in terms of challenges. The far-reaching, like, absurdity of the challenges this season, we weren't able to appreciate them. So now we're going to say, which one was your most favorite slash most enjoyable to watch? I mean, I'm just going to go because I don't have one. <laughs> I'm just slacking this week. I just, like I said, during the challenges, that was when I glanced at my phone and was just listening. So I, I don't remember the challenges. So I will say my my favorite moment, if you haven't gotten this vibe already, was just them watching the elephants. It wasn't a challenge. It was an experience. But that was my favorite thing of this season. Nick, do you have a favorite challenge to watch? Not like necessarily. I still kind of feel like a lot of these challenges were silly. They're like backyard games. It was so, the playground. We were on the playground. So what yeah. was your favorite playground game? I mean, I'm kind of in Stacey's, but I the challenges is like when I was on TikTok and like didn't pay attention. Um, Should I just cut this question? Uh, no. The challenge Wait, is I have multiple answers. Right, then, this question is only for Aggie and Anna. 
I just, I thought the challenges were so great. They were so, there was so much to look at. And like, I think I joked in our first episode of like Jeff being like, the last bit of untouched land, we put a golf course on it. Here you go. And like every challenge has that vibe of like, they really went all out, like using the landscape, using as much, like taking up as much space as they could and making every challenge like really rigorous. And in that way, like they were all very physical. They were all very based around sports and the best one has to be the fruit ninja challenge yeah they are tasked with chucking various fruits into the other into like a basket through a net but also the other tribe has someone trying to slash through the fruit as they're throwing. like it's just how can you look away <laughs> i actually i will say i did watch that one i forgot about it i mean have they ever done that one again no, <laughs> The best part about the reward is the fruit that somehow made it through and like didn't get knocked away. I think the best part about that challenge is you won the fruit you collected, but also an herb garden. We haven't had an herb garden as a reward in ever, like since that one time. Um, (laughs) Why couldn't we just get spices like we always do? (laughs) No herb garden plus salt, pepper, and chili powder. It was a renewable source. But like y'all are going to take care of these plants. You can't even take care of yourselves. Like what? (laughs) Like, you don't need more responsibility. <laughs> you just want the herbs. <laughs> what are the there was also a slip and slide. I just feel like we're not, I cannot believe this is where we landed on these. There was a slip and slide. There was golf. There was. There's also challenges that like didn't work. Like I mean, the slip and slide, not all of them slipped far enough off and they had to crawl to the end and pull themselves off. And then also the boat challenge didn't work. The paddles wouldn't move them anywhere. I think that was more like a not user error, but like whoever, you know how we've learned that they have a group of people that go and try out the challenges. I'm wondering like, were the people who, like, were the people who tried out the challenge, were they successful on that challenge? I just, like on the lacrosse, on the boats, like on the personal paddle boards, basically, where you're standing on your knees and trying to play lacrosse. Who was successful at that? They were like, cool, greenlit, like, let's go. Do you know what I mean? Like one person was able to play. It was Marcus and Randy versus <laughs> no one. <laughs> and for immunity of all things. Do they I- also have a log roll? And did anybody notice that the matchups in the log roll made no sense? <laughs> it started off as tribe versus tribe. And then it just became two people on the same tribe going against each other in the first round. And I was like, but why? Like there's still people on the other tribe that they could be going against. And now you have like Randy going against Susie and it's like it was so weird that matchup moment yeah I it was wild they also played keep away like I was like monkey in the middle I was like what is happening in such a beautiful way I want I love the challenges Stacey I recommend watching with a new lens I thought the challenges were the best part of the season I thought they were so fun I enjoyed every single one of them Except maybe there was one where I was like, this is not it, but I don't remember what it was. Was it House of Cards? I hate that challenge. House of Cards is not my favorite. But really last fun fact before we finish, did you know that Bob like helped found along with some other people this like basically this like practice survivor thing? That's like, you can go on, I'll see if I can pull it up. In his EW interview, they were like, what have you been up to since Gabon? And he was like, it's called the survival challenge, but it's like, you can apply to be on it. It's kind of similar to like, you trying to see like, would you be good on Survivor? But like previous Survivor contestants have gone on it. Like post Survivor have been on it before Survivor. It actually looks super fun. 
but they do all the challenges. You get a chance to see like, would this actually be something you would be good at? I don't know. It seems really fun, but Bob was like one of the founders of this and like helped set it up. Very fun. So just like a fun fact. And I was, and he talked about at the reunion, how he put some of the challenges like in his physics tests and stuff. And I was like, look Mm. at Bob just being like low key obsessed with Survivor. And he's almost 70, like go off. Anyway, that was our rewatch of Gabon. Guys, did we have fun? It was great. Thank you, Stacey, for lying to me. I love you so much. I love you so much. This is so bad. I'm like, I'm like, Aggie's the teacher. And I just straight, like, I can't pretend I didn't do homework. I have to just like blurt it out at the beginning. (laughs) She's like getting two in school. Meanwhile, I think I did like one homework assignment my entire high school career. I'll do better next week. Wait, oh, is Nick announcing his? All right. The stage is for us, Nicholas. Your task, should you choose to accept it, is we are diving in into season 19, Samoa. It is time to watch Russell Hans on our screens once again. I know we all have feelings. I know Russell Hans is a terrible person, but you know what? That man changed the way Survivor has been played ever since that season. I credit Samoa for the start of New Age Survivor. And I think when we watch it again, we're going to see even more evidence of that. And also I want us all to focus on Natalie and her her edit and how did she become our winner? She gets a lot of flack for being like one of the worst winners in Survivor history and not really doing anything. And I want to know if like that still holds up and still holds true or if she's kind of like a Michelle where maybe she was doing things low key that we just didn't see or didn't pick up on because we were so blinded by Russell Hans and his strategy. So come on the journey with us as we watch Survivor Samoa. Dirty! I will say the African musical twist on that lit. Uh, We can be done. Roll the outro. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Escaping Reality. We're so grateful to have you all in our podcast fam. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow for new episode notifications. We love interacting with you and want to hear your take on the season. Slide into those DMs at Escaping Reality Pod on Instagram or tweet us your feels at ESC Reality Pod on Twitter. Go ahead and hit us up. We're excited to continue to grow our podcast in a few different ways. One, if you're a Survivor alum, we'd love to chat with you about your experience and or any of your Survivor feels. Reach out to us on Instagram or email us at escapingrealitypodcast at gmail.com. We are also looking for our listeners' help. We are starting a new segment called The Fans Have Spoken, where we read a listener's feels on the season and then discuss them as a group. If you want to have your thoughts read on the pod, shoot us an email with your name, Instagram handle, and three to five sentences about a particular season. We can't wait to start this new segment soon, but we need your emails first, so send them our way. Thanks for listening, and thanks for escaping reality with us. (laughs) 